March 22nd, 2016, it's Watt from Pedro's show.
for Pedro Show. Here in my pad, Pedro, Brother Matt's in Mexico, so we're separated. But via Skype, I got here, Barrett's Whitfield. Um, Barrett's, where are you talking from? I'm talking from my Amazon Kindle <laughs> at home. Is it, how do you what, like technology, huh? What, what town? Uh, I'm in Beverly, Massachusetts. Beverly, Massachusetts. What yeah, I'm right next to a famous uh, town called Salem. Oh, okay. Yeah, I remember uh, going through there or passing near there uh, <laughs> on a few of my tours. Um, well, I got to say what we played. We just played uh, Mama Get the Hammer, Barrett's Whitfield and the Savages. And before I started <laughs> off the show with Village Blues by John Coltrane. Now, uh, Barrett's, what's your uh, earliest music memory? My earliest music memory, I'll tell you, okay. it's funny uh, you bring that up because yesterday I had this on my mind. I said, you know, the first 78 record I was able to play on an old Victrola in my house. Uh, actually, it was one of those uh, stereo th things with that stereo record players. I had a 78 player, sure. but it was a song by a woman named Joe Stafford. And it was called Adi Adios Amigo. <laughs> okay. And uh, that's I heard that was the first thing I heard when I was about seven years old. And I played that that seventy eight to death. Okay. Was that in Massachusetts there? No, that was in uh, New Jersey. New Jersey. A place called Newark. New oh yeah. The town across the water from the other big town. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's so you love this uh, record. You play it all the time, huh? Yeah, well, that was the, one of the first uh, vinyl things that uh, I, I, I don't know how how it got into my house, but it was in there. And, and then next thing you know, from Joe Stafford to James Brown. Okay. How do you like that? Was there music in the house today? Uh, family? Yeah, people? my father was a nice, uh, was a jazz guy. You know, he was... Um, one of my mentors to play music in the house, you know, he played things for me. And then I had a uncle who was in the entertainment business who played a lot of jazz. So I got to listen to a, a lot of stuff. And um, he actually took me to one of my first jazz um, uh, shows at Carnegie Hall. I went and saw Duke Ellington. Wow. Yeah. yeah. But I fell asleep halfway through the show. How old were you? And then he took me home. He told my, he told my mom, that's it. No more jazz shows for him. He, he slept. He fell asleep on the Duke. That's not good. No, no. I fell asleep at a Rush gig. Well, actually twice, 30 years apart. How old were you at this Duke Ellington gig? Uh, I was, uh, I think I was almost close to 17. Okay, teenager. High school. So, uh, did you uh, uh, start playing instruments young? Was what now? Learn any kind of instruments when you were young? No, man. No, I was well, drums a little bit, but little pretty bit much. Uh, I was pretty much a, a singer going to church, um, sing, you know, singing in the gospel choir, and That's I couldn't get I... away from that because I was the church was right across the street from my house, so it was almost like the. Um, the, the reverend was standing out in front of the church every Sunday morning looking towards my window. So. 
So that's where you... Uh, I couldn't get away from it. Where you learned to sing was in church. A lot of people in the old rock and roll, it seems... Pretty much. Uh, that, that was pretty funny. It seems a lot of people learned how to sing in church, you know, uh, in the older days. Uh, well, you know, the church, I'll tell you, the church was a big, uh, in the community, that was the big thing, you know. Everybody in the community went to church. Yeah. So um, it was a thing where that's where, you know, you got you got your kind of like your beginnings of, you know, socializing with people and learning the gospel and Sure. All kinds of other stuff. So it was it was it was interesting uh, to to have that in 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 the neighborhood. And if you noticed throughout history of uh, African American music, uh, almost I would say close to ninety percent of your of your famous artists, singers, whatever, it came out of the church. Out of the church. Everybody's singing along. Maybe not so scary. Uh, you, you know, you get a lot of motion feeling. It makes sense to me. Uh, do, you, do you remember, uh, okay, that's in church and uh, that kind of setting, but when did, uh, do you remember the first time you thought of, hey, I want to sing for people, not in church, like uh, <laughs> like your uncle, an entertainer? Well, you know, he took me a lot of, well, he, he wasn't much of a, he was an entertainer, but he wasn't like a singer. He, uh, he, he um, what he did was he um, he he held up tables and wooden tables and chairs with his teeth. Damn. <laughs> That's why they called him Lockjaw. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but but my first time of, of ever wanting to play music in front of people was you know I was interested in doing a lot of stuff you know like uh, well I, I I'd watch people on TV I watch. Uh, all the old shows, and I'd say, well, I wonder how that would be, and singing in front of people that were screaming and, uh, <laughs> and acknowledging that you were good, you know, so, I don't know, just about the time of, um, I don't know, like the late 60s into the 70s, with, um, you know, I ran, I ran up with a, some guys uh, in high school, and we were big Funkadelic fans. Yeah. So we put together. Yeah. So we put together. I think together he came out of New movie. Jersey, right, George Clinton? Yeah, he was out of New Jersey. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, he worked at the barber shop uh, for a little while. I grew up in the neighborhood I grew up in, right on the corner of Springfield Avenue and yeah. Beacon Street. Wow. Because I talked to Billy Bass. He told me, yeah, he was the band started kind of in a barber shop. Yeah, uh, George yeah, uh, so Clinton I, uh, did processes or something. Right, right. Uh, I, I, I know I can see the barbershop in my in my. I can close my eyes and see the barbershop, but it was it was a local one. Everybody got their hair conked, and I'll tell you those conks, man. When they started doing those those <laughs> processes, yeah, man, you can smell the the rotten egg all through the all, all through the uh, shop. <laughs> Strong. Uh, so. Uh, you guys were Funkadelic Parliament fans. Uh, so yeah. they, they decided to make a band. Yeah, so we loved it, and then we, we decided to make a band, and we called ourselves the Funkasonics. The Funkasonics, all right. Do you remember your we first gig? That was my, and that was my first little little introduction to singing in front of people and 
and, 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 and getting some accolade, as they call it. Right. Do you remember the first gig? Uh, it was at it was at a little YMCA place uh, in in East Orange, New Jersey, and um, all I just remember is we st- the first song was "I'll Bet You." I'll bet you. <laughs> which is off the first funkadelic album, and that, and we started doing the routines like the funkadelic, you know, oh, singing. Yeah, doing the steps and everything. Yeah, great. Was it scary? Yeah. Or, or, or. It was uh, it was pretty pretty much jamming. We did okay. uh, we did uh, and we did some um, you know M- Marvin Gaye and Smokey Robinson and stuff like like that. So it was fantastic. I had a, I had a really good time doing it. So wow! So you were hooked. Yeah, well, definitely. Okay, want to play this song here, "Walking with Barrett's." What can you tell me about that tune? Well, I can tell you it's 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 based on a song called Walking with Frankie by a guy named Frankie Lee Sims. Okay. Here we go.
some inch across the ground. Their bent backs turned to all heavy and above since down. Scratching puff from this earth, what gold it may give. Fattening on feasts to come, laboring now to live. And America's a hard religion. Not just anyone may endure. America is a hard religion. Some never do surrender. Sent to a savage land, mother knows not why. To plant a seed in rocky soil and perhaps to die. Freedom come it may to this child instead. Freedom comes, freedom goes, father is surely dead. And America's a hard religion. Not just anyone may enter. America's a hard religion. Some never do surrender. Our hearts doubts to make us strong Cheered by loved ones that from the graveyard say All my tears surely gone after I fly away And America's a hard religion Not just anyone may enter America's a hard religion Some never do surrender
from Pedro's show. You heard Barrett's Whitfield and the Savages doing Walking with Barrett's. Uh, a nod to Frankie Sims, right? Then we had a, a label mate, uh, Robbie Folks, sent me a new uh, disc, uh, America's Hard Re- uh, Religion. And Ruido M.M. with Komaki, there's some Brazilian cats. I was in uh, Austin last week for mm-hmm. South by Southwest one night. Oh. And uh, these Brazilian guys, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd seen them before, and they turned me on to new music by them. Then Tom Fichetti with Ocean, Spiel Gusher, The Threshold of Transgression, Richard Meltzer, uh, something brand new from Cartavetta Vetro, Untold, out of uh, Genoa, Lemon Kittens with Funky Seven, Familia Miranda from their new album Bolero. They're out of uh, Barcelona. Uh, Trigueros, Pontal, and finally Big Crux with Lamento Demente. So, when uh, Funkasonics started out, you guys were doing covers. Did you, uh, when did you uh, want to start writing your own tunes? Well, um, actually... I was not much of a writer. I was more like Frank Sinatra. I just like to go out there and interpretate. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. My writing was kind of limited, but I I hooked up with some great guys, you know, who um, who was really was energetic into writing stuff like uh, Peter Greenberg, who was my guitar player on the very first two Savages albums, and. uh, and you know he he did a lot of the writing, and uh, also Phil Lanker, my my uh, bass player. So you know I kind of relied on he- I you know, relied heavy on those guys that to, to come up. And, and most of the times we were coming up with a lot of um, covers, you know, like because they're all we're all record record fanatics. So we were going going around record collections and looking for you know things that. Um, you know th- things that nobody had ever heard of, like 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 I said, Bip Bop Bip and Walking with Barons yeah. and you know stuff like that. And it it went o- and all of it went over very well. So when Peter wrote a couple of tunes on the side there to uh, make it sound, you know, make it make kind of like the stuff that we were doing fit in with uh, all the covers. So. Okay, what about okay, between, between Funkasonics and the Savages? Um, in between there, believe it or not, I was uh, <laughs> I was in this band in New Jersey, and believe it or not, I was doing everything from Led Zeppelin's immig- uh, immigration uh, immigrant song to yeah. Genesis Watchers of the Sky, oh, man. <laughs> King Crimson in the Court of the Crimson King, to Sparks, Timon. I mean, we, I mean, I was you know, at the time where I didn't do a lot. I wasn't doing a lot of soul stuff, but yeah. I was experimenting, listening to a lot of things, you know, from prog rock to Zappa to to Zeppelin and all that stuff. So I got kind of got off the beaten path for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like seventies. Was it? That was the seventies. It was yeah, the seventies. Okay, okay. And I was being I was being introduced to a lot of stuff and. You know, I still listen to 
the funk music and all that. But, you know, I was being drawn to something that was uh, was was interesting to me at the time. Okay. <laughs> and then what? <laughs> you kind of lost interest? And you met the Savage, the guys who ended up being in the Savages, and that's uh, coming back to the soul music. Yeah, just coming back, you know, that was in the 80s, and they, they were more of a, on a garage. Yeah, right, the of, Liars, right? Huh? The, the, there's a connection with some of them with the Liars. L-Y-R-E-S, yes. yes. Yeah. The guitar player was in the Liars and DMZ, and the oh, first but, Savage Band, I was, I was actually, I had Holly Ferguson on drums who played with um, the real kids. Yeah, right. And, Old Boston scene. And then Phil, the bass player, played with the Liars. And yeah, so I had a Liars, you know, real kids. So I had a really nice cult following, you know, when I joined that band because they'd already had the audience that had seen them. So sure. I was being introduced sure. to that audience. But, but that's Massachusetts, right? So you must have left New Jersey. Yeah, I left New Jersey to go to school to go to BU. To get oh, some okay, education. okay, that, that makes good sense. Yeah, yeah I wanted to become a journalist. Wow, there was a club right near there called the Paradise. Yes, I, yeah. I played there. Kind of a comedy club, but they did music too. Yeah, you know, you know, Boston was was deep in the muddy when it comes to clubs during that time. I mean, I'm sure every city in the 80s and the late 70s had clubs that a lot of bands could play at any time you wanted to go see music you can do it yeah. and that's how boston was boston was a was a cavalcade of, i mean there'd be one night you see the liars you could see um you could see um who else at the time uh real kids you could see thunder train you could see robin lane the chart bus i mean there was just so Scruffy many the cat Hmm? Do you remember that band, Scruffy the Cat? Oh, yeah, good friends of mine. Yeah, good they were in that scene, too. Yeah. We played with them a bunch of times. So, yeah, you know, there were just so many. Del Fuego. Right. Maddox. Human sexual response. Human sexual response, I saw a bunch of times. I mean, Boston was just a cavalcade, just of thickness of bands, I mean, and good bands, too. Yeah, yeah. Quite a scene. A lot of them didn't oh. end up touring, though, so it was hard for us on the West Coast to to see those. But I remember reading about them a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about you guys? When do, do you remember your first tour? My first tour, I think we went. Well, it wasn't much of a tour. I think we went to Washington D.C. Well, first we went to New York. Okay. And our first band that opened up for us was a band called. James White and the Blacks. All right. They were yeah. called the Contortions sometimes. Yeah. yeah I saw him a couple of years. He's still around. He's still playing. I guess he is. I mean, I've been hearing his name bust around uh, uh, New York City. But, that, you know, that was our first, uh, one of our early shows. I know another time we played Folk City. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Bob Dylan's first that, gig. Actually, that might, might have been the first gig, Folk City. The minute and then James White. I, I know that that club. Yeah, it was, it was right across the street from um, a, a jazz club called the Blue Note, which That's is still right. there, of course. Wow. So, uh, what was it like to play in another town? It was. Town. It was interesting. You know, being I was from New Jersey, so going back kind of home, yeah. it was really interesting. Yeah. We got some really cool people to come out to see us. 
uh, some couple of the coolest people you'll ever want to know were Billy and Miriam from Norton Records. Okay, absolutely. They, they were the cool. They 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 the coolest. They were the first to acknowledge the fact. They're the ones that heard me sing. Um, I, I used to do uh, the Collins Kids whistle bait. Yeah, and I used to use the. He's a whistle bait. He's a one for me. She's a whistle bait. <laughs> when he first heard me sing that, I said, Oh my God, you almost sound like Larry Collins, and you're not even 13. <laughs> <laughs> and then you guys went down to DC. Where'd you play? 930 Club? 930 Club, and what was the name? I can't remember the name of the band. Uh, you probably could. I, I can't remember them now, but yeah, we did some and, and became a very, very cult item of um of dc's playing down there it was fantastic you know and uh you know that and you know we we didn't get too far with the the first band savages we we stayed pretty much on the east you know on the east coast and then um you know then uh in 1986 i think the band peter left the, the band and then the band just broke up. And then I put together, we got together with a bunch of other savages and finished out from 1980, uh, you know, 1986 to 95. I had these guys playing with me, guys, Milton Reader, Dave Scholl. Dave Scholl wrote this great tune for us called Stop Twisting My Arm, which was a savage favorite for a long, long time. And we toured all over Europe and America and stuff like that. And so... That version of the Savages broke up about 1995. So the second version was the one that really got you around as far as playing different places. Yeah, it was. Um, we did three records for Rounder. Rounder. And I think the yeah Rounder Records Rounder, out which of is uh, there in Massachusetts, right? Yeah, that was out of Cambridge. Cambridge. That was were very good to us. They they started off being like a um, how can I say? Uh, Roots kind of label. They did bluegrass. They did folk and stuff like that. And they took a chance on us, man. I mean, uh, the, st the good story about that is they came to see us at a, a frat party at Tufts University full of beer, wild women, wild guys going, you know, taking their clothes off. They're standing in a foot, uh, almost ankle inch of um, beer in this room. And, you know, no, we said, oh, my God, they're never going to sign us now because they, 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 they're nothing but a bunch of wild guys playing wild rock and roll. And, and uh, two weeks later, we go to their office, and they said, we would like to sign you guys to a three-record deal. Wow. And this was with Peter and them, and Peter and Phil and Howie sure. and them. And <laughs> we couldn't believe they said they said they wanted to sign us after seeing what they – they normally see bands that play banjos and fiddles and stuff. What a trip. Look, we're at the end of the first hour. We'll watch for Peter's show March 22nd, 2016 with my guest, Barons Whitfield, via the Skype out of Massachusetts. Hold tight for hour two. March 22nd, 2016. It's the second hour of the Watt for Pedro show. The triple message keeps those demons at bay. My face keeps twitching, but I'm doing okay. Ain't got much time and there's so little to say. Just keep the lemons out of my tangerine. I sang this melody I wrote just for you. I played your rhapsody, now I'm feeling blue. Ain't made this up, but now you know me. 
nothing like driving into the sunrise, beginning to fly. I really love packing up and driving and leaving it all behind, taking off in a rush and flying, traveling all so far down distant dynamite highways, past the morning star. Music is the thing, and you line it up, coffee for a fling, and it is there in your cup. And I'm still driving, driving, jamming and viewing things, going to see a good friend, speeding away the miles till the CDs end and I finally make it. Doing right at the wheel, hold her steady and true, and you are highway jamming, not bad, just flying along, waiting for that highway to end on a song, feeling that driving is all right, another journey done right. Thank you. 
Pedro Show, start off the second hour with uh, Baron Whitfield and the Savages doing Oscar Levant. And then Joe Brewer with a poem called Highway Jamming. Peg Lagasis and Bill's Pump saw John Vascamp in Austin last week. Uh, then the band Bilge Pump out of Leeds, he got to play with them last year and doing a song uh, called Observe My Crazy Arms. Then Entertainment Law with Reprieve. Is that a name for a band? <laughs> Entertainment Law. All right. And Paralyzed from Mario DeSandro. Very Important Mission. Water Landing. Uh, John Truby. Many Whores Copulate for Money. And Derby Girl with James Rocker. Parents. Yeah. So, those three albums you made for Rounder. Did you approach them all three the same? You went in there with like tunes you've been playing at gigs, or did you uh, go into the studio and write there? And yeah, we we, uh, we we actually the with the rounder record, dig yourself. We um, were doing tunes that we were doing live, and it was um, quite the uh, quite the record we did. I mean, we again we were doing some. Um, some you know a lot of some covers yeah but also um we uh we wrote this great tune which has become a symbol symbolize the uh symbolize the barons whitfield uh logo was a tune called bloody mary ah. which was written by phil lanker sure and uh it, that, that be, that's the one song that has probably kept me uh kept the gas flowing in my tank <laughs> Okay. Um, then you went to Bloodshot. 
Uh, yeah, well, then, then um, but that's I, you much know, more recently, uh, right? I'm between 1995 and yeah, uh, 2000 and maybe nine is when the um, uh, I was just doing a lot of stuff, going over to Europe, you know, touring and stuff like that. And then finally, um, we uh, I, I got a call from Peter because the the uh, Ace Records in London put together the first uh, album. They they reissued it on CD. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden, uh, there was some interest, and I I, uh, I talked to Peter on the phone, who I we, we we hadn't talked to each other for about twenty six years. Wow. <laughs> yeah, twenty six years we we stayed like he was doing his own thing, working, you know, putting together a family and stuff like that. Phil did the same thing, and so he was um, located in New Mexico, uh, in Taos. Now yeah. he lives in uh, Albuquerque, and. Um, we were talking about you know the release of the first of the first album because he owned the tapes and stuff like that, and he said he was um, playing in a band because you know he hadn't played guitar in a very very long time. He put his guitar away and he felt like he wanted to get back to doing it. Wow! So I with this band called Mambi's Head out of New Mexico, and I said, well, if you ever need a singer, I'll come out there and jam with you. And he said, oh, all right. Then two weeks later, I get a call. Hey, Barrons. I got I got some gigs together. I got I called Phil. Come on out. We're gonna play. We're gonna play. And I go, oh okay. So we go out to New Mexico, did some dates with these other uh, guys he found in New Mexico, and then we sat in his house one uh, for a few days, and we kept we looked at each other and said, you know what? I think we we should do this again. I think there's some energy here. We need to return back to the form we left back in 1986, and so we all said, "Yeah, why not? We'll show those young runts that we can, we can, we can, we can play rock and roll with the best of them." Sure. And so, you know, we got we got back. We got a couple of new guys, um, Tom Quartuli and Andy Jody, uh, sax and drums, respectively, and we rehearsed because. Uh, uh, um, Peter went to uh, University of Cincinnati, has a degree there, knew a lot of people. So we went down there and rehearsed, played some dates down there. And uh, I got a friend of mine who wanted to put uh, in, in Spain because we, we needed a, uh, a label to put out some new music. Yeah. And so I said, let me st- do start with Europe first. So I called this label called Munster Records in Madrid. Sure. And uh, then we put out uh, the the record. Uh, what was the record called? Um, uh, not Savage is it Savage Kings? Yeah. Uh, okay. And um, that came out, and then um, we got a chance to. Say, we said, "Oh, that was pretty good." I, we went to Europe and played some dates, and then we said, "We need an American label." So. I, out of, everyone was telling you, you should try Bloodshot in Chicago. They're great people. Blah, blah, woof, woof. So we gave a call to Bloodshot. And come to find out, one of the owners of the label was a big Savages fan. Couldn't believe that I was on the phone calling about want, looking for a label and wanted to put some new music. <laughs> That's great. So bam, bam, thank you, ma'am. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then next thing you know, we're, we're in the studio d- putting out their first album, Dig Thy Savage Soul, which uh, one of the songs you played off it was um, Oscar Levant. That's right. We start off the second hour here. What about Turn Your Damper Down? 
Oh, that's a. I think that's a. Uh, is that a lazy Lester? No, no, no. That's a. Um, what's it? It's a guy from Excello. Can't think of his name at the moment. Uh, Jerry McCain. Jerry McCain. Okay. Who also did uh, Too Hot. Yeah, that Too Hot Turn Your Damper Down. Yeah, he's a funky little guy. Well, let's listen to it right now. Cosmonaut, new 
age, space cadet, fully automatic engineer, robot, astro, techno, psycho, cosmonaut, new age, space cadet, fully automatic engineer, robot. I can be anything, even a cosmonaut, an astro, techno, psycho, space cadet, I never forgot. Your space adjustment, that final flight. Time travels my galactic right. Atom split, new life ignites. My wings take flight, I'm too far gone. What I leave behind, I love. But the pain of the earth is worse than drugs. Disconnected, disattached, unplugged. The machines got bugs. Watch your movement, you're so consumed. Mark assuming the right costume to watch the earth set. Walk full speed to wherever the ride goes next. But this trip won't be in vain. I'll send back for you if it's all the same. I'll explain in a new terrain. One shot to the heart and brain. This mission won't be compromised. Those lies, no more in disguise. I'll rise in the name of the most high. Astro, techno, psycho, cosmonaut. Age, space cadet, fully automatic engineer robot, astro, techno, psycho, cosmonaut, new age, space cadet, fully automatic engineer robot. The possibilities of the outer space. Electrifying. The possibilities, the possibilities. The possibilities of the outer space. Tom Berlain.
se bojí zavratit z té hrozné hloubky pod sebou, která co ve sme nevrátí, jak černý chladný dravý prout. Dravý prout! down Barrett's Whitfield and the Savages and we had uh, Slippers and Asalone doing Cosmonaut 
Pudge doing Slaw Mouth. Peter Laughter and Don Harvey doing Venus to Nilo. Peter Laughter and Perubu. Early Perubu. Out of Cleveland there. Salvation with Medusa. Coma in Algiers, February. And finally, uh, Uzbadoma. Stropi. Okay, back to Barrett's. So, uh, where did you, where did, you recorded that thing in Cincinnati. Uh, the, the, the Savage Soul. Is that oh, right? We, yeah, we recorded at the studio uh, Ultra Suede, okay. which um, is owned by um, one, a gentleman who, uh, he's in the Afghan wigs. Oh, uh, Greg Dooley? No, not Greg Dooley. Um, he's a bass player. Oh, geez. They're going to kill me. He's gonna, they're going to kill me if I don't remember that's his okay. name. But that's uh, all right. I'm, 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 I'm in space right now. But he, that's he right. Knows the, Afghan what I'm wigs. About. the Afghan wigs are from Cincinnati, but Greg Dooley's oh, lived Don. out here a long time. Curly okay, is his name. So, so where did you go? What's his name? John Curley. John Curley. Okay, yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, now, when and you did this under the Savage Sky, did you do it at the same place? Say so did it at the same studio. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you like it? Yeah. It's it's a, it, as a matter of fact that studio has a history. It it put out a song by I, I, uh, big the big hit came out of that studio was um, More Bounce to the Ounce. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. So it has a it does have a little bit of history. Yeah, it's got a track record. But uh no, it's a great studio. It's uh we can freely do whatever we can there and uh John's a great guy and he lets us um Did the second uh, one take longer to do than the first one? Um, oh, no, about the same time. We were there for a couple of weeks. Okay. So no pressure, it's very relaxed. Very relaxed, no pressure. We can, you know, rehearse stuff. We can learn a few things if need be. Sure. And uh, you know, it's a re and we we go in there, but we but it's intense work. And I'm telling you, when when we lock those doors, man, our brains and our bodies and everything are, are locked into recording that music. Yeah, yeah, that, that's commitment. So you'd say these days you record different than you, when you first were doing. Albums. Uh, we pretty much all this all the times we record we record live, uh -huh. live in the studio, all in the same room. You pretty sing, much. You sing with the band as they're playing. Oh, phone just said <laughs> What? What I? Okay, no, Melinda. You're on your way. I'm doing my radio show right now, Melinda. Not now. A little later. Call me. Okay. Out. That's my sister. She wanted to come cut my hair. I'm doing the radio show. Sorry, oh. You got a nice sister there. She's yeah, yeah. She cut hair, you know, in a salon for many years. And then she went to school at the same time. So she's a teacher, but she still does. The, yeah, if you're doing... Uh, Cutting hair, a lot, using the scissors a lot, it starts hurting your hand after years. Also, the chemicals no. these ladies remember, like the stuff for the conks. 
So right. she uh, changed kind of job, but she still does some uh, on the weekends. Some of her older customers, and yeah, her brother. She. <laughs> well, that's great. That's wonderful. That's very that wonderful. Uh, we're at the end of the second hour, March twenty second, two thousand sixteen. Dish a while from Peter Show. Yes, Barrett's Whitfield back soon. Hold tight for hour three. Uh, March 22nd, 2016, it's the third hour of a lot for B-Row Show. Listen to me, baby. Bless me, baby.
Off from Pedro Show, start off the third hour with uh, Baron Whitfield and the Savages doing blackjack. What can you tell me about that? Blackjack is an instrumental written by yeah. uh, Phil Lanker in the in the in the um, I guess in the thing where the song is you know it's just like your your typical fifties or sixties instrumental mm-hmm. rave up. Yeah, rave up. Before. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. But I was going to uh, say the tune itself is about uh, playing poker. Oh, and not 21? Nah, that's, that's kid stuff. Okay. <laughs> okay. Then we heard uh, part three of five, Evolutionary Squalor by Liquor Ball. That had uh, Steve McKay and um, God, who was on the bass? Marlon, yeah. Then uh, Thalem Kaufman, so far it's still here, Scrabian. And uh, Thalem was with me when we did that uh, tribute to help Steve McKay's wife. So sad. Uh, when you're losing people, you know, Barrett's it's, it's tough. I, I, ten and a half years I played with that man. It's hard to lose. Real. Yeah. But uh, that's part of the journey, you know. Meeting people, but then, yeah, losing them. David, David Nesselhoff with Co-Operator. After that, Fuck Shima Farmer, Live Cosmodrone, Chocolate Jesus Basho, and finally, I think that's for Easter, and uh, Dionysus, Shy Squad. Uh, so, have you done the big torn for Under the Savage Sky yet? Uh, we did um, uh, this past fall. We uh, did uh, some dates uh, in uh, late August and September in the states, and then we went to Europe for seven and a half weeks. Wow. And played like big one everywhere that ISIS didn't follow us. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it was a good time. It's a great record. I've played. You know, we're not playing any of this uh, record. On this show, because I've already played every one of the songs. I really oh, like there you it. go. I really like it. It's it's really happening. Thank you. Uh, whose idea was the liner notes? You know, you don't see bands doing that anymore. <laughs> Old friend of ours who is a great writer, um, John Swenson, um, uh, who I think he wrote a, he wrote a, a Bill Haley book. From uh, way way back in, I think in the eighties, and he's he writes for uh, a couple of uh, blogs and uh, um, newspapers in New Orleans and and uh, and New York. He's really a great writer, and uh, he's still a good friend of ours. And when he loves going down to New Orleans, and um, pl- uh, being in New Orleans is like for him like is like his own playground. But he's a he's, yeah, he's a fantastic writer, and, and uh, we always use him. And I told him to write, write, uh, write something exciting, write something that will uh, people will read it and, and it will give their heads a bang. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I, I thought that uh, he he pulled it off, man. You know, in the older days, all the albums had liner notes. It's trippy how that went away. I know. I, I, you know what it is? I think what people don't. You know, the time, the, because it's all 
now um, on internet music or they're downloading stuff or when, even with CDs. I mean, nobody has time to read liner notes about something that's interesting. I mean, it's just not, it's just not uh, a thought process. It's like, I mean, I always thought, and probably you when growing up, Man, when we got our first record, we couldn't wait to not only hear it, but read what they, what the person that wrote on the liner notes had to say about the record. Absolutely, that's a lost, lost form. What, what, what can you tell me about "Ship Sailed at Six? That's what I want to play next. <laughs> that's a Peter Greenberg song, and you know, I guess it's uh, it's one of those chaotic uh, rock and roll songs yeah. that everyone should do in their prime. Yeah, okay, let's, let's do it right now. Ship sail at six. Get it, 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 get it,
bunch of nicks Make the scene Playing straight and fits in fits Really bad has settled Phil C Shuffle on down, slide away from the mill Wanna smizzle, could just wait up in
Six bears with yep. the savages. Uh, Fred uh, Rapid Ronnie, the March mix from Bloodshot Bill. After that, doo wop song for private invest instigators. 
Reverend Circle with uh, Lost Control, Total Eclipse, Dynamite, and finally, the Extract with Lantern. What, what future plans you got, Barrett? Well, we're going to be uh, in May. We're going on tour with the Great Sonics and wow. the Woggles. We're doing a 25-city tour all over the country from May 5th to about June the 5th. Wow. With the Sonics. How'd that happen? Uh, well, last year we did a we did a, some dates with the Sonics that went off just like it was just a, a, a great experience and just to play with a band that you never thought in your lifetime you'd either, even meet, let alone get on stage and one night do Psycho with them, you know? So it's like, <laughs> it was fabulous, man. And uh, I hope you can come out and check out the show if you're uh, around. In May, you're going to be in SoCal. You know what day? Uh, I know I'm going to be in. Uh, what, what, now, what, what, you're, you're out in. Uh, I'm in West the heart Coast. of Los Angeles. It's called San Pedro. Oh, well, we, well, we're going to be in L.A. at the Regent Theater. Oh, okay. You, it's you in May. I know that, but you can check our schedule and find out. But I would love not only to meet you because I want to tell you I've always been a great fan of your music, and uh, uh, but just the we we I think we have something in common is the gift of gab when it comes to talking about music. Yeah. What what be jazz, blues, or whatever. And I think I have a few other things I'd love to turn you on to. So oh, that's another time. Okay, I'll come. You know, if I'm if it's <laughs> May, I'll be in Yeah, I'll be I'll be here. I won't be away. If it's in May. So I, yeah, I, be, I, I'd right. love to come see the band and and with the Sonics. Wow. Uh, you know, I was in, uh, in October, I was in Tacoma, and I think keyboard player still lives there. Guy was telling me. Uh, you know, do you have younger people coming up to you asking for advice about this endeavor? What about, about music? Yeah. Always, and I just tell them, you, you know, I, I, what I tell them is, I tell them is... I love the life I live because I live the life I love. That's, those are good words to live by. You know, and I just tell them, you know, whatever your, whatever your, your ambitions or your love takes you, you do it because you never know one day you'll be sitting down somewhere and you'll say, man, I wish I could have done that, but now I can't. You're talking and, regrets. Yeah, so it's 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 something that uh, I've been very very fortunate to do and love, and been able to meet people like you and people all over the world. I mean, it's you know it's been it's been it's been great to be on this this planet with all the other crazy stuff happening around us, whether you watch TV or not. But I'll tell you one thing: music still lives and breeds in the hearts of men and women. And children. Absolutely. Uh, I think that's great uh, advice. Or uh, kind of like a creed, huh? Well, if you want to take it as a creed, just stamp it on your chest. (laughs) If you you want, get a tattoo. (laughs) I got one tattoo. It's a number. It's very small. It's on the back of my, uh, one of my arms, so I can't really see it. 
It's a, it's a little number. It was my 47th birthday, so I had the guy, here, put the number 47 here. So my brother, I have a half-brother 30 years younger, and he got one uh, with my father's initials, our father. Right. And uh, I thought, well, I should be in solidarity with him. And, but I didn't know what to do. And, you know, I grew up in Navy housing, all kinds of tattoos. So, yeah, I did a little one. But I'll, I will have that stamped on my chest. Live the life you love. I love the life I live. Because I live the life I love. It's actually a song. Okay. Wow. Well, you know, yeah. If you can sing it, if you can dance to it, that that's a big part of it. <laughs> But well, I, you know, I, I like I like the reasoning yeah, too that you I have mean, as long as you can move. I, I've gone to concerts where you know people are just standing there like uh, the Statue of Liberty, and I go, I said, you wouldn't do that at a James Brown show no. or a Funkadelic no. show. No, no, yeah. get off, get, yeah, get off your ass, get off your ass and jam. That's right. I, 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 get off your ass. I remember. Uh, at one of the P-Funk gigs I went to, the, the, that was the chant. Shit, goddamn, get off your ass and chant. <laughs> That's right. Well, that, Barons, that I want to thank you so much for being on the show. It's a huge honor for me. Well, thank you. And I promise I'll come meet you when you come play here in a couple months. I, I want to see you there. I'm serious. You, yeah. You're on the guest list, brother. Thank you so much. So heavy. Thank you so All much. All right, then. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. People, it's uh, been uh, May, uh, March 22nd, 2016 edition of Watford Peter Show with special guest, Barron Wetfield. Uh, everybody out there, keep your powder dry.